0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, December 9th 2013. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in the doctor's opinion on page Roman numeral XXV at the top of the page, beginning with, we of Alcoholics Anonymous. Today's readers are, reading the OA 12 Steps is Daiya, reading the OA 12 Traditions is Marita, and reading the literature are Devorah, Chelsea, Sally, and Judy B. The reference number for Sunday is 5600. OA Preamble.
1: Uh, good morning. This is uh, Dayi uh Recovered Compulsive Ovidas, 12 Steps of um, Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons Praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the re- result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Past and thank you for letting me do service.
0: Thank you, Daya. I will now ask Marita to read the OA Twelve Traditions.
2: Good morning vision for
0: you. this is Marita recovered
2: compulsive overeater in Virginia. The 12 traditions tradition one. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Tradition two. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. they do not govern. Tradition 3. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Tradition 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Tradition 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Tradition 9. OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Tradition 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Tradition 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films, and the Internet. Tradition 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality.
0: Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Marita. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of the Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature. We resume our study of the big book in The Doctor's Opinion on page Roman numeral XXV at the top of the page, beginning with We of Alcoholics Anonymous. I will ask Devora to begin reading.
3: Hi. Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Devora in New Jersey, a compulsive overeater recovered. Thank you, God doctor's opinion we of Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the reader will be interested in the medical estimate of the plan of recovery described in this book convincing testimony must surely come from medical men who have had experience with the suffering of our members and have witnessed our return to health a well-known doctor chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction gave Alcoholics Anonymous this letter to whom it may concern. I have specialized in the treatment of alcoholism for many years. In late 1934, I attended a patient who, though he had been a competent businessman of good earning capacity, was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. In the course of his third treatment, he acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery. As part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his concepts to other alcoholics pressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others, this has become the basis of the rapidly growing fellowship of these men and their families. This man and, and over one hundred others appear to have recovered. I personally note scores of cases who have the types of the type with whom other methods have failed completely. These facts appear to be of extreme medical importance because of the extraordinary possibilities of rapid growth inherited in this group, they may mark a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism. These men may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations. You may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Very truly yours, William B. Silkworth, Silkworth, M.D. Okay, so here we are at the Doctor's Opinion, and uh, written by Dr. Silkworth, and You know, what's an opinion? An opinion is a form of statement given by an expert. Um, And he gathered his opinion. He got this opinion by studying these men. You know, he worked with alcoholics in the 1930s um, in a a hospital, Townsend Hospital, where he was a doctor. And uh, he saw, you know, what was, you know, he saw what the lives of alcoholics were having. And the, the depth of their di- addiction, and um, he based his opinion on on the facts. You know what he what he encountered, and he um, you know the fact at that time was that alcoholics, you know, in the 1930s, it was nothing to do with them. Lock them up in a hospital, and you know let them, you know, whatever. Died from this disease, you know. Everybody just gave up hope on an alcoholic, but he he saw something. He he believed his opinion was that you know um, an alcoholic has a has a physical allergy, um, and he said he saw through his men while working with these men that it is so. You know, once they put the alcohol down and abstained from their. Um, from from the liquor, then they um, then they can get recovered but also with a spiritual approach. You know, it says here on the line here yeah, that he, um, he acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of, of recovery. So he saw that these men had something, and he wrote this letter to the public um, basing his you know his opinion. Um, you know, gathering up all the facts and, and presenting it to the people um in this book. And he, you know, really is a um there's so much so much hope to the thousands of people out there um who are suffering and to know that they too can get a could have become recovered. Um it says it right here, the man and over a hundred other here to have recovered, you know he's he's stating the truth here he is stating his opinion based on all the facts that he has gathered up and um it is really you know it's it's at the beginning of the book that you open up the book after you read the uh the forward and everything and right there it hits us you know you know that we can um the doctor's opinion which he was a very respected doctor and we couldn't um you know, uh you know, follow it and 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 t- uh, we too can uh you know gain from this
0: as well.
4: Thank
3: you and this is
0: all with this all pass. Thank you, Deborah. Would anyone like to share on what was read so far?
5: <laughs> this is Paul Patria. Oh,
0: I heard Paula, and then did I also hear Penny, was it? Kim. Oh, Kim. Oh, Paula yeah. and then Kim.
6: Thank you. And thank you again for your service. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. I'm going to scoot on down. There's so much here, but I'm just going to scoot on down to the last couple of lines on this page. I personally, see, that's what does it. didn't hear about it personally, no. Scores of cases, not one, not two, that would be like an oddity, but no, scores of cases who were of the type with whom other methods had failed completely. Now here, this is the doctor writing. Well, maybe they weren't so bad. Nope, completely. And we all know until we do feel completely and there is total surrender, we don't move on to come to that place of being recovered. But then he goes on. These facts, and we all know about facts, just the facts, ma'am, appear to be of extreme medical importance because of the extraordinary possibilities. Look at where he's looking now. Now, this is a doctor talking. They don't talk about possibilities. An extraordinary? Oh, my. A rapid growth inherent in the group that may mark a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism. Now, that's quite a statement for this doctor to write. These men may well have a remedy, a remedy finally, there, a hope for thousands of such situations. Now, this last line, and here I will end before the doctor signs. You may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Who would say that about an alcoholic? An alcoholic recovered. One, two, three, ten, he saw it. You may rely. You can depend. These are words that weren't associated with alcoholism. And then he puts his name. He puts his name to it. That is a statement in itself a huge statement and with that I say thank you and I pass
0: thank you Paula Kim
7: good morning Rebecca good morning my fellows my name is Kim G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey and I'm so excited I was thinking about this yesterday that we're starting this chapter it's so essential I'm going to pick out the line In 1934, I attended a patient who, though he had been a competent businessman of good earning capacity, he was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. You know, and this is Dr. Silkworth. You know, Dr. Silkworth is estimated to have worked with 50,000 alcoholics, 50,000. And what he started to notice was a pattern. You know, there was a certain percentage of, of alcoholics, really just drinkers, that would come into the hospital. He would dry them up. They would go out and he would never see them again. And then there was another percentage of them that they would come in, he would drive them up, they would go out, and maybe they would come back one or two more times. And he would explain to them, you know what, drinking doesn't agree with you. It doesn't seem like you can handle your liquor. My suggestion is don't drink. And they would leave and he would never see them again. But there was a certain percentage that he would drive them out explained to them that alcohol did not agree with them and they would come back over and over and over. So he started to develop this theory that with those that came back over and over and over, that there was a twofold illness of play. One is once they ingest alcohol, the way that the alcohol affected these chronic alcoholics was different than other people. But something happened called a phenomenon of craving, which their body then demanded that they have more and more and more. But in addition to that, these alcoholics had an obsession of the mind that even when he was able to physically withdraw them from the liquor, even when he was able to confine them in the hospital till the liquor was out of their system and they were no longer having the allergy being triggered, they had a mind that told them this time would be different. This time I can do it. This will give me ease and comfort. And that's what he called the alcoholic of the type I had come to regard as hopeless. So that's who this book is guided towards. So if we are the alcoholic that has a bout with alcohol, comes in and gets dried out, and goes out and they're fine, that's like someone who's put on some weight, realizes it, can go to a conventional diet program, and they're okay. Diet programs work. Calories in, calories out. Perfect, simple. And someone who does not have our illness can do that. And then there's someone who maybe is a heart eater. They might eat like us, but with sufficient reason, sufficient motivation, a diagnosis, falling in love, the education of a doctor like Dr. Silkworth, and they can stop. That's someone who comes into L.A., and we explain to them, there's certain foods you, sh- you cannot eat, come to some meetings, do some tools, have some fellowship, and they're fine. They don't need to work the steps. They're, they're just a heart eater. But the, the, a few of us, the percentage of us that are like Dr. Silkworth describes here, the alcoholic of the type that has come to regard as hopeless. We have that allergy to the body, which will never change. We will never be cured of that. And our obsession of the mind, that greater aspect of our disease will only be removed by working the steps, will only be removed by connection with a higher power. And if that is our reality, if we are the type he's describing here, we are going to be forced to work these steps. So this chapter is going to educate us. Maybe there are some people on the line who are the moderate eaters, and they can go to Jenny Craig or, I'm sorry, a conventional diet program, and they'll be okay. Maybe we have some heavy eaters on the line that can simply go to meetings, don't drink, go to meetings, and be okay. But for those of us who are the true alcoholics, the chronic alcoholics, our only hope is going to be to work these steps. So as we read this chapter, ask yourself, are you the type of alcoholic that Dr. Silkworth has come to regard as hopeless? And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on what was read this morning so far? Barbara, Helena. Katie from Boston. Okay. I think I heard Barbara, Helena, and Katie. Was there anyone else? Larissa. Larissa. Barbara. Um, I already forgot the second person. Uh, who came after Barbara? Katie from I Boston. I've got Katie and I've got Larissa. Okay, there was someone after Barbara that I just Helena. Helena, thank you. So Barbara, it's your turn. Thank you. This is Barbara, recovered compulsive overreader. Um, well, I'm
6: I'm looking at the doctor's opinion and listening and hearing the reading, and it's taking back to something I've shared before, and that is my own experience with attempting again and again and again to go and quote get abstinent, dry out, get sobered up from the abuse of food. And I hear the voice of the Ph.D. nutritionist that ran a hygienic retreat where I would go and live on water for weeks. I've shared this before. And after going back year after year, um, as often as I could, considering I had a husband, children, a job, other family, because I, I nothing else did it. There was no group. There was no therapy. There was no uh, religious person I could go to for advice. Nothing could stop me when the madness was on me that I thought food was the only answer to whatever was troubling me, or even if I wasn't aware of anything troubling me, the addiction itself. And after going back year after year, he felt that I was this hopeless case, like the alcoholics that Dr. Silkworth saw again and again and again. And he finally said to me, you know, maybe, you, maybe you've maybe you got to get religion. That's the way he put it. It's like Ebby and Bill at the kitchen table, get religion. Well, what he was trying to come to grips with, but he didn't have the wherewithal because he was a nutritionist. He was looking at it strictly from a physical aspect, which was what the drying out was. I... In desperation, years later, came to a program that is spiritual, that indeed deals with the physical, emotional, and spiritual, which I was attempting to do as separate compartments my whole life. So bless the medical people who, um, in the original 30s, saw the living, walking examples of people like who were near death. It's like people with cancer in remission, uh, you know, not cured, but recovered. Uh, and bless the, the medical people now who support the direction to the 12-step way, to Overeaters Anonymous, for people that they feel uh, have tried so many other things. And so I myself take this as being not unlike my own experience, and it only increases my gratitude for God's leading um, you know bill to dr silkworth and all the other early pioneers of the fellowship which i feel i you know i have inherited thank you when i pass
0: thank you barbara helena
8: good morning um, i'm what has already been shared and uh, what has struck me and always does when i read this is the last sentence that was read you may absolutely rely on anything they say about themselves Um, This is assuming that we are truly recovered and it puts a great responsibility, at least I feel that it does, on myself. Am I truly recovered? Do I have what it says here? That there is extraordinary possibility of rapid growth because what we have works. Uh, So it behooves me to be very careful about the use of that word recovery and to truly believe, is it true that, that someone can believe anything I say about myself in regards to food and eating? Uh, let us remember, and I'm saying this for myself, that there's no sick, shadowy world anymore of let's say I'm recovered, but really I'm not, whether it's physical or spiritual. So just a caution for myself, it, it does, that, that sentence always strikes me. Can anyone rely absolutely on anything that I say? And I pass.
9: Thank you, Helena. Katie. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Vision. For you, this is Katie G. Recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. So grateful to be here this morning, and love hearing what everyone has to share. I mean, the first word of this chapter is "we," right? Like it's a "we" program. It's not an "I" program. Mm-hmm. There's a group of us, of Alcoholics Anonymous, of Overears Anonymous, that are working together, you know, and um, I, I really want to echo, I love that um, they talk about you can, you know, the doctor is saying, you know, we can rely absolutely on on things that this um, person says, and, and that's extraordinary. <laughs> that is remarkable and unusual for me, because when I showed up to my doctor's appointments, I was never telling the truth. I was answering questions according to what kind of additional medication that I could get, you know how could they how could they give me something, some human power that was going to fix me because I felt fundamentally that something was wrong and I needed something to fix me, so the fact that doctors are able to rely on a consistent message. <laughs> from me as a recovered woman is, is unbelievable. And um, I, I looked at some of these words about that we are um, part of my rehabilitation. And what does that mean? If I'm being rehabilitated, I'm being restored to a useful place in society. Well, first of all, that means I'm not spending my life anymore either under the covers, binging my brains out, or I am so obsessed with my caloric intake and my exercise that you might be in my presence, but I can't see you because I'm using food to solve my problems, right? But because of my rehabilitation, which started with a very clear black and white abstinence, and then I had the privilege of working with steps, which helped me see that when I put my needs for everything and say, okay, God, where's my stuff, and try and dominate the world, it is a very lonely place to live. (laughs) But because of these steps, I've been restored to a useful place in society, and sometimes on step 11 that means that I commence at night to see that I haven't been all that useful, but it is my primary purpose to be as useful as possible today, and when I was binging my brains out and when I was abstinent without a solution, that's not where I was going, and I love that, you know, what is the doctor doing? This is an introduction to our basic text, right, and everybody knows who talks to me, that I'm in school right now, so I love textbooks. And this is our opening of our textbooks. So what's important, first of all, we were not alone. Second of all, the basis of a rapidly growing fellowship is that I'm rehabilitated, restored to a useful place, and I'm presenting my conceptions to other alcoholics that they must do likewise with still others. And that is the basis of this rapidly growing fellowship. So my primary purpose is to serve a God of my understanding today, to serve other alcoholic, food addict, compulsive overeaters, to carry this message, to make sure that I am being restored, that I am restored to a useful place in society, and that I'm helping others today. And, and what a privilege because that is my remedy, my treatment for this disease. That is my remedy. And I am so grateful for the humility of a doctor like Dr. Silkworth, to say he doesn't know and that he can, you know, rely on on, on our group today, and, and what a privilege. So um, if you're new, there is a solution today. If you're here, welcome, and um, thank you so much. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you, Katie. Larissa?
10: Good morning, vision feeler. This is Larissa. I'm a grateful recovered compulsive over-eater in New York. So grateful to hear all of you this morning and love that we're... On this chapter, um, a couple things jump out at me. Um, the, the use of the word hopeless and how we're reminded um, that this is a hopeless state of mind and body without a spiritual solution, and that the whole purpose of this book is to give us access to a God of our understanding that can solve all of our problems. Um, I also love the reminder that it was during the course of his third rehabilitation. Um, You know, so for those of us who've been around the block a time or two or three or five or ten, and just couldn't quite lick the problem we were having with compulsive eating, um, you know, Bill put together ideas. And the brilliance was, Dr. Silvers told him about the allergy, but knowing about the allergy wasn't enough for him um, because he still had the mental obsession driving him back to needing, wanting, or thinking he he had to have the alcohol, and that Bill didn't forget or that really. Just forget the pain and turmoil of um, the last binge. And um, the other thing that's so powerful here is he 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 came across the Oxford group because of Ebbi, and um, so Ebbi had a spiritual solution. He you know shows up and says I got religion, um, but it was a combination of the two that became the solution we now know today. And so um, the, the the part of the sentence that strikes me most is that. Um, that he had to present his conception to other alcoholics and pressing on them that they must do likewise with still others. And, you know, a reminder of our 12 steps in the Oxford group, it was their sixth tenant that they had to work with other alcoholics. But we cannot keep the gift of our own freedom if we are not in constant thought of how to help the man who's still sick. And we are reminded of that in so many places in our basic text that, you know, if anything is troublesome, they turn us off to someone we can help. And, we don't have um, the ability to keep the gift that it's really given to us if we're not really thinking every moment of how can we be of service in the world around us. And I, too, love um, the last line that everyone sort of jumped out at, um, that you can rely absolutely on anything we have to say about themselves. And that's because we're required to live in a of honesty if we're to keep our freedom. You know, our nightly reviews remind us to look at what we are, how we are showing up to be part of the stream of life. Um, the root of our disease that selfishness, taking a good hard look to yourself every single day, because that's the thing that drove us to needing to turn to shoving food into us as a coping mechanism for life. And I am just so blown away that food is not my solution today. When for over 40 years of my life it was the only solution I understood. Life wasn't going my way. I was uncomfortable. Life was good. It didn't matter what it was. My answer was if I eat something this will be better, I can handle this. And today my solution in life's not going my way is where's God and how can it be of service? And I it blows me away at the time. Um, the, other, the last but not least is that Dr. Selberg put his reputation on the line to put these words in writing. I mean, this is a medical professional uh, where science was what was supposed to drive his belief system and his decision-making. And he really risked his entire career and reputation by basically saying as a medical professional he could do very little compared to what the spiritual solution and this altruistic movement growing in these men was creating. Um, and what a gift and a, you know, what a blessing that this benefactor of ours was a humble enough man to own that he didn't have the solution and that a spiritual solution was working far better than anything he could come up with. Thanks so much for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Larissa. Who else would like to share on this first portion of the Doctor's Opinion?
5: It's Leah. This is Sharon. May I
0: share? It'll be Leah first and then Sharon. Go ahead, Leah.
11: Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm so glad that we um, are beginning the Doctor's Opinion because the Doctor's Opinion is the foundation of the whole big book. And and the fellowship, you know. Um, unfortunately, this section is neglected in uh, most OA meetings. That's my observation. And you know, to non-compulsive overeaters, this section may simply seem to be a helpful introductory note. I mean, it, it has Roman numerals. You skip over those things, don't you? Um, but without the doctor's opinion, the entire book doesn't make sense. And, you know, thank God for Dr. William Silkworth who risked his professional reputation to stand behind and champion this fledgling um, movement here called Alcoholics Anonymous. He was the first physician to fully understand and put into words what an alcoholic's problem was. He's the first person to see the problem clearly. He confirmed um, for us, and we related to compulsive overeaters, that, both the body and the mind of the alcoholic are abnormal. And this is the first time in medical history where there's any direct reference to the fact that the body, that our body is affected as well as our mind. Up until this point, you know, what people had thought and said about alcoholism and alcoholics had to do entirely with their mind. They were looked at to be sinful. They were looked at to be corrupted, to be weak-willed. Um, you know, to be morally uh, bad. And Dr. Silkworth came forth and said, you know, they've got a double whammy here. You know, they have an allergy of the body, but they have an obsession of the mind. Um, the good news here, you know, as it states in this paragraph towards the bottom, is part of his rehabilitation, meaning he what he was experiencing was Bill Wilson having a renewed life. He had been reborn, uh, through the applica- application of, of the program. He commenced to present his conception to other alcoholics, impressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. Of course, this relates to 12 step work. This has become the basis of a rapidly growing fellowship of these men and their families. This man and over 100 Others appear to have recovered. Once again, the text does not shy away from that terminology, and it's not a term that we just throw around for some fancy um, and impactful um, theatrics. Being recovered is a goal and an aim and an objective of the whole program of recovery. It is, there is a plan of recovery that gets us to that state, and it has nothing, it's beyond the physical, it is beyond drawing out as was previously stated, it is beyond the material, it's beyond human aid, it has to do with the fourth dimension, it has to do with a spiritual awakening, you know. What the steps do, this process do, is take away that mental obsession, that greater aspect of the disease, and substitute for that mental obsession a spiritual awakening, a sense of harmony uh, with the universe, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. This was something that Dr. Silkworth was witnessing in Folk's. You know, men who had uh, lost their jobs, their homes, their families, they were written off to never see the light of day, were now being rehabilitated. They were, their lives were being renewed and reordered. They were having a rebirth. Their families were being re- reunited, and they were being of service and of solace to their community. This is what Dr. Silkworth took notice of. I mean, men of science and medicine had stood powerless besides uh, these men who were uh, trying all remedies and methods to conquer the obsession of the mind and nothing, absolutely nothing was working. And here comes Dr. William Silkworth, who was witnessing this transformation in men and women. And, of course, he was able to champion this whole movement. He believed in it. You may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Why is that? Because recovered alcoholics came forward with a message of depth and weight. This was not frothy emotional appeal trying to plead to alcoholics to dry out. This was an experience that the glory of God had come in and had transformed these men and women once thought to be hopeless. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you,
12: Leah. Sharon, you're next. Hi, may I share? Thank you, Rebecca. Can you hear me?
0: Um, One second, Sharon. Who asked to share?
12: Yes. Hi. My name is Laura H. from Upstate New York.
0: Laura asked to Sharon. You'll go next.
12: Oh, okay. Thank you.
0: Sharon, go ahead.
13: Okay. Thank you, Rebecca. And, oh, my gosh, thank you for everyone out on the line, and thank you for all of you who have uh, just done amazing service uh, to keep this meeting on the line. And um, I am Sharon, a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And I am so grateful, too, that we are going back to um, the doctor's opinion because i that's where I came in a year ago, last July, 2012. And I was in that um, scores of cases uh, with whom, you know, I had failed over and over and over again. And um, I just uh, had gotten to the point where I was just totally, um, totally in despair, I guess is what I would say. <laughs> and, and I just am amazed when I see this paragraph that says, these facts appear to be of extreme medical importance because of the extraordinary possibilities of rapid growth inherent in this group that may mark a new epic in the annals of alcoholism. And when I looked up epic, it said uh, definition was a particular period of time or a memorable date. And July 2012 will be a memorable date in my life and my experience because that is when I finally understood uh, and God opened my eyes so I could understand and not um, uh, think... I still could somehow, some way, somehow control this problem I had with food. And when I understood the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and that I did have an allergy, and that that was not going to go away, and there were certain substances that I could not, could not put into my system without setting up that uh, uh, craving, that phenomenon for craving of more and that the uh, obsession of the mind, uh, both of those had to be surrendered to God, my higher power, and then diligently work through these steps so that I could be recovered. And that's what I didn't think was ever going to be possible for me. So I am so grateful, and I just want to welcome everybody out on the line Uh, to just keep coming back and listen to this doctor's opinion, the way they do it, uh, line by line, paragraph by paragraph. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Rebecca.
0: Thank you, Sharon. Laura
12: H. Hi, thank you for your service. My name is Laura H., and I'm a compulsive eater from upstate New York. And, um, you know, this... This portion of the big book, um, from the first time I read it, um, and and still affects me the same way today, filled me with such gratitude and such hope. Um, I had no idea what was wrong with me. I just thought I was a fat pig, that I was a slob, you know, all those negative connotations um, that we hear and that we can take on, that I took on, I should say. And suddenly here was this doctor right in the beginning of the book um, telling me what was wrong with me and that, you know, I had this this allergy that condemned me to keep eating once I picked up that first one and that there was now a solution. Um, it just still moves me and fills me with such hope and such gratitude I don't have to live that way today, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Laura H. Would anyone else like to share on what was read this morning? Linda? Go ahead, Linda.
9: Thank
5: you. Hi, good morning. A vision for you. This is Linda, a compulsive overeater and recovered in California, Um. And what really strikes me about this doctor's opinion is that the part where he talks about having come to regard as hopeless, an alcoholic of a type, I had come to regard as hopeless. And he's really putting this out there to say, you know, I see there's hope here. You know, I'm writing this letter to you to let you know there's hope for recovery. And it really strikes me because um, I came into this program and I was hopeless. And finding this program and the big book has saved my life. I, uh, I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't found Overeaters Anonymous and gotten recovered to this point today and had a spiritual experience in my recovery. And uh, I'm just really grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Linda. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Well, this is Rebecca, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, and um, this was a lot in our meeting. We don't usually read all of this much in one fell swoop. And, and it's an interesting twist to um, look at this much content at once. And I think we're just doing a great job of um, reflecting on all the different components of uh, what was read so far. Um, to keep the letter all together like this has a nice flavor to it, I would say. And so, um, I just want to mention that um, where Doctor Silkworth says these facts appear to have extreme to be of extreme medical importance. Well, what facts appear to be of extreme medical importance? And uh, looking back. I guess he's referring to the fact that um, in his medical opinion, Bill was hopeless, as were um, or are scores of other cases who have failed with other methods that he's tried with them, and that Bill acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery and um, the basis of that recovery was sharing those ideas with others. And um, those ideas are um, that we have a twofold disease, which he learned from the same doctor, and that by working the 12 steps, um, which he came to realize they were, we could be free of this obsession, the greater aspect of our disease, as long as we put put the um, substance down first, the alcohol in this case. And um, at the end of the letter, he talks about how
1: um,
0: this could mark a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism, and of course I'm thinking about how Uh, What we're doing here, which is carrying this message to suffering compulsive overeaters, just like Bill did to alcoholics by converting this information into how it applies to us as compulsive overeaters, because an addiction is an addiction is an addiction. Uh, We could be marking a new epic in the annals of The disease of compulsive overeating, and that we may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations. And um, if those of us in the line who are recovered and those of us in the rooms who are recovered are any example of um, the first 100 men and women who recovered in Alcoholics Anonymous. we are carrying the message and um that is the basis for potentially a new epic in the annals of compulsive overeating and with that i'll pass does anybody else want to share on what was read so far
5: yes this is karen
0: mary karen and then mary
14: Okay. Good morning. This is Karen, a recovered um, compulsive overeater. Um, I'd just like to share on a part I'm reading from Alcoholics Anonymous Comes of Age, which is referring to the same part. And he talks about how Bill was failing with his first six months. And so um, he, Dr. Silkworth reminded him, he said, Bill, You've got the cart before the horse. You have got to give them the medical business and give it to them hard. Pour it right into them about the obsession that condemns them to drink and the physical sensitivity or allergy of the body that condemns them um, to go mad or to die if they keep on drinking. So he's saying that the medical business is what will really crack the obsession or is the tough thing that they needed to hear. At least I did. So just grateful to be on this meeting today. Okay, thank you.
0: Thank you, Karen. Mary? Thank you, Rebecca. This is
4: Mary, a recovered compulsive overeater in uh, southwest Florida. And I'm so grateful to be sharing in the doctor's opinion today I can identify with this so much. I became absolutely the type uh, who had been regarded as hopeless. I, later in the chapter, it talks about a gentleman who had locked himself in a barn determined to die, and that was indeed me. Um, over 23 years ago, I had entered, again, a, a treatment center, locked up, determined to die because I thought that there was no way out for me. And I was presented while there um, in my second detox center, um, this this book. And after um, one of the things that was presented to me, because the people who were tending to me, um, every other method seemed to have failed completely. All that they had tried, all that they had done for me was failing completely. Everything that I had tried before, I had had some periods, of um, freedom, and then I would go back like so many of us have. And the people um, who were helping me presented me with this chapter, and they gave me the assignment to read this chapter three times a day every day because I had read it before. I was familiar with the doctor's opinion, but I did not believe what the doctor's opinion said. I thought that that it was just a matter of self-will that I could, if I just determined that I could stop when I wanted to and if I did start that I could stop again whenever I wanted to and that had failed utterly as the disease progressed for me and um, so I was given the assignment to read this chapter three times a day every day and I will tell you I did that for almost nine months, reading it three times a day every single day, morning, noon and night. And eventually, the power of these words and the power of the truth that this chapter says about me, that I have an obsession of the mind and an allergy of the body, broke through the denial that was in my life. And that is precisely why this was prescribed for me um, by the people who I went to for help And this chapter has, it is my favorite chapter. It has revolutionized my life 100%. Other methods had failed completely. And I needed to understand, not just on a superficial intellectual level, but deep in my heart, deep in my mind, deep in my being, that I am different, that I have an allergy of the body that normal people do not have. This disease is has very clear symptoms here and very clear um, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, and it definitely eventually broke through to where I believe that to the depth of my being today, and that is what the remainder of this recovery that I have been so privileged to be exposed to is based upon. So I am ecstatic that we are starting to study this today, and I appreciate all of you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mary. Excuse me. <laughs> um, did I hear another voice? Uh, this is Carolyn.
15: I'd like to speak.
0: Okay, Carolyn,
15: you'll be our last
0: person to share this morning. Go right ahead.
15: Okay. Thank you. Um I'm Carolyn, a recovered compulsive overeater in New York, newly recovered, and um, this chapter is also one of my favorites. I mean, it, it's, it's everything um, that I didn't understand about myself that I now know absolutely that I am an addict um, and that I will always be an addict, but I don't have to live in that hell anymore today. Um, but the last line of the letter really strikes me. You may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Um what this says to me is that uh, Dr. Silkworth finds these people completely trustworthy and honorable and honest. They're not trying to make a buck. With someone, uh... you
2: know,
15: so this is not, you know, a weight loss program. This is not, um, you know, let me medicate you and tell you the answer. This is, you know, this is my experience. You know, let me, you know, be as much of use as I can be without trying to profit in any way from your suffering. And the fact that, you know, that we don't accept outside donations, to me, makes this a more genuine program. I feel as if I can trust everything that people say because no one is, is out to make a buck. And um, so I'm just really glad to be here today, and this is my first time sharing on the line since I'm newly recovered, and I am an available sponsor if uh, anyone wants to talk to me at the end of the next hour. Thanks. Thank
0: Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you to everyone who shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Chelsea please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
16: Thank you, Rebecca. This is Chelsea from South Jersey, Recovered Today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little.